Now at ReachMD, we are all about informing physicians and medical professionals to help them become better at caring for patients. But we also want to help our listening audience become the most happy and satisfied clinicians that they can be. I asked our guests to be with us today because I think that our listening audience would be really interested in learning more about how to navigate practicing medicine in another country, better yet, another continent. You are listening to ReachMD, and welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Renee Allen, Adjunct Assistant Professor of Obstetrics and Gynecology and Practicing OBGYN Hospitalist with Mednax National Medical Group. Our guest today is Dr. Carmen Brown, a board-certified OBGYN currently practicing obstetrics and gynecology in New Zealand. Dr. Brown, welcome to ReachMD. Thank you very much for having me. Dr. Brown, I am so excited to do this interview. I think it's been a year in the making that I've been uh, trying to get you on uh, for an editorial interview. So let's delve right in and let me begin this podcast interview with asking you to tell our listening audience a little bit about yourself and to give a brief overview of your current existing practice. I am Carmen Brown, and I am American board certified. did all my training in the United States, and I am originally from Atlanta, Georgia, completed medical school in Atlanta at Morehouse School of Medicine, and then went on to do and complete my residency in obstetrics and gynecology at St. Joseph's Hospital in Houston, Texas. And from there, I've done a various of other types of jobs from private practice to hospitalist to a multi-specialty group before landing overseas um, approximately four years ago. So you have a lot under your belt. Now, <laughs> the landing overseas <laughs> is what I want to focus on because I thought that that was very fascinating. I first learned about you through a Facebook physicians group. And I heard your story and I thought I need to get her on. So I'm really excited for you to be able to provide information to the listening audience about what you encountered and to navigate through if anyone else out there is thinking about doing what you did. So I guess from your perspective, can you describe the process of moving overseas as a physician and finding work? First of all, I don't think it's as daunting as we think it is. I think that for any clinician, especially in the United States, that has gone through the rigors of having to get hospital credentials, state licensing, malpractice insurance, we're used to having to go through hoops and do applications. And honestly, this is really no different. I think the biggest issue, however, though, is I have always been in English-speaking countries, so I have to admit I'm not really sure of how difficult this may be if you wanted to per se practice in like Italy or Sweden, <laughs> but um, from my experiences working in New Zealand and Australia, it's a not too difficult process. I think for any person that's considering this, I think the first and most important thing is to find a mentor find someone that's actually worked over there so that you can kind of get an idea of practice style because it is very different from working and practicing in the United States. The medicine is the same, obviously, but as far as actual day-to-day -day management, how clinics are run, how labor and delivery is run, is very, very different from what we're used to as like American-trained obstetricians and gynecologists. So I, I really think that's probably the first thing to kind of get under your belt and understand because this might not be for everyone. I do have a friend that I did work with when I first did get to New Zealand. He wasn't too keen on the system in New Zealand and just didn't think it was a good fit for him. So 
it might not be the perfect uh, setup for everyone, just like back home. It's not the same for everyone who wants to do hospitals versus private practice or what have you. So I would definitely say the first thing is to reach out to someone, find someone who's doing it so you can kind of get an idea of what day-to-day life is like. As far as finding jobs, that's actually not too hard either. The best thing in the world is Google. I mean, quite honestly, I found my most recent position on Google. I literally Googled position jobs in my area, and it popped up. I found hospitals and then just contacted the hospitals directly. Now, as far as getting into the door, as far as getting into a foreign country, now that's the little bit harder part. And it does require a little bit of, I would say, eating a slice of humble pie because you are a foreign medical doctor and you are treated as such, even though you are board certified in in the United States, you're still a foreign medical graduate. And so that does mean that you will have to go through a little bit more as far as supervision and possibly even have to do bits of their college recommendations just to kind of quote, prove that you are at the same level of an Australian or New Zealand trained um, obstetrician gynecologist. So it's not that you just find a job, you're just going to go to it necessarily, unless, of course, you're doing locums. But if you're planning on working permanently and being a part of the actual system, it does require a little bit more. That's interesting that you bring up that final point. In your personal experience, what did you yourself have to do that was different from the training you received in the United States in order to practice in New Zealand? enough, the training system in and of itself in Australia and New Zealand is very different from what we're used to in the United States. So what we're used to is you go to high school, then you go to college, you get a four-year degree, do all your pre-med requirements, and then you apply to medical school. Whereas in Australia and New Zealand, you actually go to high school and then you basically go straight to medical school. So there's no requirement for a four-year undergraduate degree and getting a bachelor's and what have you. So therein lies the difference in that there's going to be intrinsically more years in their actual training, and their residency is also longer than ours. So they not only consolidate all of the basic medical sciences and everything in those six years of medical school that they do, along with the medical school classes that we all take, but after they finish medical school, everybody is usually required to do one or two years basically as an intern, and then they apply for like residency. Now, the obstetrics and gynecologic residency here is six years long. So that is intrinsically one of the problems that you'll be up against when you come to Australia or New Zealand is that on paper, you do not look like you have been trained long enough. So our residency is four years long. There's a six years long. So it looks like you've like just skipped out on two years of training. So that was one of the biggest issues, having to prove, of course, that your four years in the United States is equivalent to six years in Australia or New Zealand. So one of the things that we usually have to do, and I say usually because I'm sure there might be another physician that's working in Australia or New Zealand that might not have had the exact same path I took. But for me, coming in as a board-certified OBGYN, I had to submit an application to the Royal Australian New Zealand College of Obstetrics and Gynecologists with basically a review of my training, uh, kind of explaining to them exactly what rotations and things I did for my four years of residency. I also had to list the hours and the types of things that we did. And then I had to basically provide them with kind of almost like a patient list, so progress procedure log, if you will. And then I actually had to do an oral examination in front of a board with, I believe it was three physicians and one of the midwife representatives, where I basically reviewed my history. We also, of course, went through patient scenarios. So it's very similar to what we experience as our oral boards in the United States. So I basically did their procedure for oral boards and basically defending my history, my training. 
And the outcome of that is I got boarded in Australia, New Zealand. So I'm not only a fellow of the American College of OBGYNs, but I'm also a college of the Royal Australia, New Zealand College of OBGYNs. That's amazing, Dr. Brown. Congratulations to you. Wow. I'm impressed. Thank you. <laughs> I know how stressful it was to be boarded in this country. So you basically had to do it all over again. And what was the time gap between being boarded in the United States and then being boarded in New Zealand? Oh, that was, see, I got, let's see, I did my boards in the United States that was in 2006. So I did the one in New Zealand in 2011. So it was yeah. five years you need to pat yourself in between. In the back. Yeah. 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 And I have one other quick question. I know that you said it was six years for New Zealand OBGYN residency training, four years for us, but do they do as many hours as we do in the four years? Absolutely not. They do not, which is honestly one of the things that I love about the system. Seeing it now as an outsider with fresh eyes, I definitely see the benefits of their system and how it works so very well in their particular society. So they do not do anything near the type of hours that we do. So I kind of, quote, grew up in residency before the ACGME duty hour yes. um, restriction right. came in. So you were so, doing like 100, 120 yeah. a week. Yes, exactly. Right. We were doing exactly. one in three call, 100 hours a week easily, you know, that type of thing. So this was before the 80-hour duty work week was instituted. So Right now in New Zealand, Australia, the maximum is usually about 56 hours a week maximum that they can actually work. So that's actually, to me, like a, quote, normal job per se. But mm -hmm. if, if and they, they thought it through, it makes sense because it takes, it would probably take you six years to do that if you're doing 50 to 60 hours a week. To do that if we did it in the United States. Exactly. Yeah. I'm raised in Toronto and so the Canadian OBGYN residency is five years and they work, I think, about 55 hours as well too during those five-year periods. So, and it works out equivalent to be the amount of hours that we work in the four-year period. So I, I'm a, I'm familiar with that. So that's interesting that you that you're bringing that up too. Right, exactly. If you are just tuning in, you are listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, and I'm your host, Dr. Renee Allen, and today it is my pleasure to have Dr. Carmen Brown, a board-certified OBGYN, practicing obstetrics and gynecology in New Zealand. So, Dr. Brown, at the first half of the interview, you told us about yourself and your background and then that what you're doing right now, that you're working abroad in a different continent and what you had to go through in order to do that, and I thought that that was just wonderful. Thank you so much for explaining it in such great detail. I kind of now want to steer the interview into you discussing a little bit about the pros and the cons of an American trained physician navigating a new medical system in a different country. What, based on your experience, have you experienced both positively and maybe even negatively? Well, starting with the positives, I'm usually a very optimistic person. I think the positives specifically for anybody specifically in a really stressful position like we are as far as obstetrics and gynecology, I think for working in Australia or New Zealand, the biggest thing is, is that I believe you really do have a much better work-life balance. I don't consider myself an expert on that, but I do know that I actually did try so many different ways to work as an OBGYN in the United States before I just realized I can't figure out what's going to work for myself and my family. So I tried everything from private practice. I tried being an OB hospitalist. I tried multi-specialty group. I even tried being a faculty employed physician at a teaching hospital. I really did try and look at myself as far as what was I trying to achieve and how I wanted my life to be. And in the bigger picture for me, 
I totally appreciate that I am a well-trained physician and I really love what I do, but I also really, really love my family and I love life. I just really want something outside of my day-to-day career. And so for me, I just could not find that balance. And so for me, one of the biggest pros is that the culture, the work culture here is so incredibly different from what we are used to. I actually kind of found like more of a kindred kind of connection here where people kind of expect you to take one month long vacations and no one's going to grumble or talk about how you're completely messing everybody's lives or schedules up where people expect you to take off one year for your maternity leave. And that's like not even considered weird or abnormal or strange. That's the normal thing to do. So when I kind of looked at the overall culture and realize that obstetrics and gyne is my heart, and this is what I want to do for the rest of my life, I just could not see myself making that happen with any of the types of jobs I worked in the United States. So when I found an alternative way of of practicing, I kind of jumped on it. So I really think one of the biggest pros of working here is that you are going to immediately see a significant change in your work-life balance. And I, I honestly think that any American trained physician that's come over and worked in either one of these countries can tell you quite honestly that they see the difference. Now, they might not like the system per se, but they'll tell you, okay, well, I don't like the way they run things, quote, on you know, labor and delivery. But they'll probably admit to you, oh, my God, I love at 5 o'clock, you know, just walking out the door and giving a pager to somebody else and not having to worry about all the other things that come along with usually OBGYN. So I think the biggest pro to me is a work-life balance and having the ability to probably work this job quite easily for the next 20 years or so of my career. That's the biggest pro to me. As far as the cons, the cons list is going to sound a little bit longer, and it's once again not because it's negative, but I really honestly believe that for any physician, we're so type A, we look at things critically, and there are things that you're going to have to seriously consider. Once again, the system is very, very different. Working in Australia and New Zealand is so hard to explain because it's not at all like anything that we've experienced. You would probably know a little bit more because you have a history in Canada, and so we're working in socialized systems. And so in the United States, we're not used to that format. Some clinicians are. They might work for a federally qualified health clinic, and that's kind of similar because, once again, this is more of a government-run type of medical situation. But in Australia and New Zealand, it is a socialized system. So you're talking about the bureaucracy that's within exactly. that system. Exactly. That system. Yeah. So there's going to be some, you know, there's going to be some paperwork and some fun hoops that you have to go through. It's definitely not as onerous that's as, right. you know, dealing with insurance companies and prior authorizations and things like that in the United States. But there's definitely paperwork and hoops and little bits that you have to go through. So those are the things that you might not be all that keen on, especially if you're coming from a private practice when you have billers and coders to do everything for you. But I really think just wrapping your head around that system and how different it is might be really hard for some people. Some people love it and can do it and have no problems. And other people, like I said, can't and they're not really happy. And and that's okay because, like I said, this is not for everyone. (laughs) Do you have anything more that you want to add? Because you've given a lot of information already about the pros and cons. Interesting enough, a lot of people ask me when they talk about working, quote, far over here, do you miss your family and friends? And of course, of course, I miss my family and friends and those types of things. But interesting enough, I actually see my family more 
living overseas than I did when I was in the United States. Interesting enough, when I was in Phoenix, Arizona, working at a large hospital, I only had a couple of weeks of vacation a year. And I actually saw my family who lives in Atlanta, maybe I think a week out of that entire year. I honestly had issues. I felt really bad about it. Not because I didn't get a chance to see them that often, but I felt like I really wanted to go and do other things. But I felt like, oh God, I only have three weeks of vacation. I really need to go spend some more time with my family. So it kind of caused that internal struggle. I felt really guilty all the time. And it just, I just never felt quite right. Whereas here, it's very interesting that we will go home and spend like four to six weeks at home, just relaxing and seeing everybody. And that's more time spent with my family than I did when I was in the United States, a three hour plane ride away. And so just, it's like mind boggling. Isn't that something? (laughs) It just really is. And then when my family comes and visits, especially like my mom who's retired and my dad who's semi-retired, They'll come and stay for long periods of time. So, for example, my mom is coming tomorrow. She'll be here with me for three months. So that's, like, mind-boggling. You know, that was just that just never would have happened in the United States. So it, it's not been painful for us. Like I said, for some families, I can definitely see this being, like, a big hiccup. Then that kind of is a great segue to this next question. Can you talk a little bit about what it's like to be a physician expat? And I like that term, physician expat, working on a different, entirely different continent while having a family, both your immediate family that's there with you now and then also your family that's still abroad here in the United States. Support, obviously, is very important, whether you're home or abroad. For us, having a really good support structure is so critical. One of the things that we did when we first got to New Zealand is we started looking for a nanny because we wanted someone to kind of help out with our son. When we moved to New Zealand, my son was not quite one year old. So now he's basically grown up overseas, complete with a funny little accent. (laughs) But I think having some support is so very critical. Having people that you can call in case of an emergency, that obviously is going to make any parent feel better. But on top of that, too, I think that the work-life balance is what brought us over here in the very first place. I feel that I am winning both as a physician and a parent. I feel like when I'm at work, I work hard and I do my hours, but I also feel like I'm at home so much more than I ever would have been when I was in the United States. It just seems like I just have a much better kind of handle on my separation of clinical and personal life. And it doesn't bleed over into the other. And I totally appreciate that, especially as a mom of like a younger child, because I kind of feel like you can't get these days back, of course. And having him being so used to having mom and dad around, I think is just so very important for his like early stages of development. And I think I've achieved that by having the type of work I do, not necessarily having a private practice that requires my constant supervision 24-7 and really being more of an employed physician by the government because that's actually what you are if you work in a social system. No one really, quote, belongs to me. I don't actually have my own patients per se. I am a government physician. I take care of women really well when I'm at work. But after that, it gets handed off to another physician. And I really believe these women have excellent quality of care. And I have no qualms about the system. But I I realize, you know, not everybody would tolerate that. I can't, I laugh when I think about if women from the United States or some of the ladies I took care of in private practice all of a sudden had to come in this system, it would be really shocking for them. But I really think these women get awesome quality of care. But for me as a mom and a wife and a physician, I think I've, finally found the like right balance for us. Dr. Brown, in these final few moments of the interview, is there any other further information that you want to convey to our listening audience or any final points that you'd like to make? 
I was actually inundated with a lot of questions and queries about moving overseas. I didn't really think it was that odd or big of a deal, but I guess it was just talking to, you know, other physicians, other specialties, not even OBGYNs. And there are quite a few of us working over in Australia and New Zealand. Actually, quite honestly, there are a lot of American doctors in New Zealand. So it's not as big of a secret as I think a lot of people think. And it is definitely doable. But because there's been so much interest from just people calling me, reaching out, that type of thing, I was told by one of my friends, you know, you should possibly write about your experiences. And so I'm actually in the process of writing a book about what it takes and how to find a job working in Australia and New Zealand since I have experience with both countries and kind of talking about navigating the system, how to do applications, finding jobs, and basically all the things that we talked about today. So I am diligently working on that, and hopefully I'll be. This is going to be something that's an ebook and self-published. Hopefully, it will answer a lot of questions and kind of make it seem like it's not as a kind of a weird kind of possibility. And maybe some people will be interested and get a chance to actually uh, do it, give it a try. Yeah, I'm sure that the information that you'll provide will simplify the process and not make it seem as daunting, because you've been a very excellent guest, um, providing. I think that this is a rich and very informative editorial interview. Thank you so much, Dr. Brown. You're welcome. Many thanks to Dr. Carmen Brown for providing our ReachMD listening audience education on how to navigate uh, practicing medicine on a whole other continent. Dr. Brown, thank you again for your insight. It was my pleasure. Thank you again for having me. I am your host, Dr. Renee Allen. To download this podcast and others in the series, please visit ReachMD.com. We encourage you to like, share, and comment on this episode. Thank you for listening to ReachMD. Be part of the knowledge.